The first thing that I always talk about is the three R's. We all know them, reduce, reuse, recycle. And a lot of people don't actually know that it's actually a hierarchy, like a waste management hierarchy. So it's not just pick one R and you kind of do whatever you want, which a lot of people think that, and then they resort to recycling. So it's actually the last step. So first is reducing. So what do you, in your life, in your business, do you absolutely need that new shiny bright item and really question that? And then the second thing is reusing it. So once you purchase the item, whether it's secondhand or a new item, how many times can you reuse it over and over again? And then finally is to putting it in the recycling because a lot of things don't actually get recycled, unfortunately. In North America, the statistic is like 80 to 90% of our items that we throw in recycling don't actually get recycled. I'm Dr. Nicole Byers, clinical psychologist and neuroscience nerd. And you're listening to The Bold Life Podcast, the podcast for ambitious overachievers and recovering perfectionists who feel stretched thin and overwhelmed trying to do it all. As a recovering perfectionist with big career goals, I know how frustrating it can feel to never have enough time in your day or to endlessly procrastinate because you lack the confidence to take action. I've spent years understanding how our brains work and the mental habits that get in our way. Each week, I'll share actionable strategies and guest interviews to help you get relief from your to-do list, build your confidence, and reach your goals. If you want to learn how to thrive both at home and at work, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to the Bold Life Podcast. Today, we're joined by the founder of Eco-Friendly Events, Romina Kwong, to talk about how she built her green empire and small strategies you can start using today as a small business owner or solopreneur to develop businesses or lives that protect this big rock we're all hurtling together around the sun on. Romina is an advocate for environmental and social justice. She empowers and inspires others to act through education. She never lets the pending doom of climate change prevent her from building her own green empire. Romina has a holistic, accessible, and realistic approach to environmental sustainability, bringing her step-by-step approach into the lives of event organizers and businesses struggling to implement green initiatives. Romina helps others feel prepared to take meaningful actions. Welcome, Romina. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to hear more about what you do. Maybe can you start us off, tell us a little bit about kind of what got you interested in working in this area? Yeah, it's a weird sort of like mix in background. So I did a degree in environmental studies. And after completing the degree, it just felt like the only jobs that were out there seemed just research. And I wanted to do something that was more actionable. Um, And then I ended up being a bridesmaid for a friend's wedding. And I was like, maybe I want to do something in events. And so I went back to school for events. And I also learned in that same wedding that weddings are not the events that I wanted to do. Okay. And um, I actually fell into the world of festivals. And from there, I just realized how much waste there was. And some events, they cared and they had put in some initiatives, but it always fell to the wayside because there wasn't someone designated to sort of take care of it. And um, that's what sort of piqued my interest and got me to start my business. Oh, that's fantastic. I can only imagine I have been at events before where I have noticed how much waste and, you know, one-time use things they are. So you started your business, Eco-Friendly Events. Tell us about that. What do you do? How does that work? 
Yeah. So initially I started working with event organizers to help them figure out ways to reduce their environmental impact. And just like every individual, every event is different. Everyone has different goals. So it's figuring out what matters to the client, to the event organizer, and then going from there. And I also don't believe in an all or nothing approach. Um, I know it's very overwhelming anytime anybody talks about environmental sustainability and you're like, well, I'm not doing it perfectly. So I shouldn't just, I won't do it at all. And that's not the mindset we should have. It should be, what are like one or two things you can do this year? And if it's an annual event, what can we do better moving forward? Um, so that's what I started doing. And then, of course, the global pandemic hit. And from there, I started working with businesses to figure out similarly, what do they value? What do they care about? And what can we do to work within their business that will work for them while reducing the environmental impact? I love that. I really like as well that you emphasize kind of taking that small step-by-step approach. That's something we talk about a lot on the podcast because that can really, I think, prevent us from taking action in any area of our life is it feels like so much, right? Like, how am I going to save the planet? Like, I can't do this, right? And so we just don't even start or we don't even know what to do. So I really like that idea of just small, those small changes. Are there some that you tend to recommend or are there kind of good places to start for folks if we want to start developing more environmentally friendly businesses? Yeah. So first and foremost is figuring out what your values are when it comes to environmental sustainability. So sometimes what I value and what I'm going to say to you doesn't resonate and then it doesn't, it kind of prevents you from taking that action that we just talked about. So for example, um, I might value supporting local but then you might value buying something that's made of a more eco-friendly material and it may not be grown or sourced from the country that you live in. So it's not local, right? So then it kind of conflicts and that's where it gets really confusing. You're like, which product is better? What do I do? And so narrowing it down by basically figuring out what you care about first and then using like the top three to five things that you value and using that as your like North Star or guiding light to make your those decisions. And then in businesses, really, the first thing that I always talk about is the three R's. We all know them, reduce, reuse, recycle. And a lot of people don't actually know that it's actually a hierarchy, like a waste management hierarchy. So it's not just pick one R and you kind of do whatever you want, which a lot of people think that, and then they resort to recycling. So it's actually the last step. So first is reducing. So what do you, in your life, in your business, do you absolutely need that new shiny bright item and really question that? And then the second thing is reusing it. So once you purchase the item, whether it's secondhand or a new item, how many times can you reuse it over and over again? And then finally is putting it in the recycling Hmm. because a lot of things don't actually get recycled, unfortunately. In North America, the statistic is like 80 to 90% of our items that we throw in recycling don't actually get recycled. Wow. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, that's really interesting. I did not know this at all. I must say, I did not know it was a hierarchy. I always thought, I remember learning the three R's in school. And I got to say, we probably go to recycle first, like it all goes in the bin, right? Yes. And I think that's a great thing to keep in mind. I'd love to hear, I bet you probably come across, there's some, maybe some mindset blocks here for people, because I know something, you know, I talk to people a lot about, especially around finances, is we always feel like we need that new and, and better thing, right? And that can lead to lots of financial stress, but it also is really hard on the environment when we're buying new stuff all the time. Do you find that people are 
kind of resistant to that? What goes on there? I think it's a couple of things. I think it's like a social issue too, like social justice and stuff like that. Because if you follow a lot of like green or eco-friendly accounts online, um, a lot of the time they're like, buy this instead of this. And it's like, if you're from a more marginalized community, maybe you can't actually afford to buy the thing, right? So that's why it starts with reducing or like why I like to focus on that is like, what can you reduce or reuse? Um, So for example, my sister bought a lot of like juice bottles and like glass bottles and I just reuse them. So I've used it to put like plant cuttings in. I've used it um, when I started making my own oat milk and just using what you have um, is really the most environmentally friendly thing you can do. So it's figuring out what do you have? How can you reuse it and repurpose it rather than always trying to find new things to buy? I like that. And it will save you money. This was what always That's motivates me thing, yeah. yes, to reuse things, right? I remember when my daughter was born, because for kids, you need so much stuff. Oh my so gosh, much. at the beginning, right? And I was like, we're only going to use this stuff for like four or five months, then she's going to outgrow it. So we got everything used as much as we could hand-me-downs or on you know, Kijiji or other sites like that for finding used products. And for me, it was really the financial incentive of like, I'm not spending all this money, but also you know, I, it is a way to think about how, reusing things or putting less of an impact on the environment in that way. Yes, exactly. So it's really contributing to the whole concept of a circular economy. And for those of you who don't understand what that is, is basically right now we have a linear economy system where it's like you buy, you use, and then you throw it out. So it's rather than throwing things out or putting it into the rece- or recycling's part of it, but putting keeping it in the system of use. So going to stores that sell secondhand clothing or thrifting because it's now trendy, which is a good thing, but also trendy, um, is that you're keeping that item of clothing in use, right? Like you're keeping it in the system um, rather than it just getting tossed out. So it's same thing with all of the other items. So where I'm located in Toronto in Canada, um, there's a couple actually companies that are starting to do reusable takeout containers. So it'll be in a stainless, stainless steel tin. Um, you pay a little bit extra and then you return it. And then it keeps getting reused in the system rather than your styrofoam or plastic container that just you use it and you toss it out. I really like that. I forgot you were in Canada. I am in Calgary as well oh, okay. uh, in Canada <laughs> here too. Um, but I know one of the booths that we go to in the farmer's market where we get um, different little cakes and things from, they have uh, a program like that too, where they send you home with a glass container and then you bring it back and then they give you a discount on your next purchase when you bring it back too. So they're reusing those as well. And so we always just kind of keep them, we clean them, we keep them in a the little spot till we go back again. And it's really, it's easy for us because we go back there regularly. Yes, I love that. So that's the thing that I would love to sort of point out to everyone is like, do the thing that's easy for you. So if you're not going to go back to that farmer's market or go to refill the container, then maybe that's not the thing you do. Um, and don't feel guilty about it because you need to find the thing that works with your lifestyle or else it's just going to be so hard and you're just not going to want to do it. <laughs> yes, yes, I totally agree. We talk a lot about habits and changing habits on the show as well. And that's something I always recommend is that if it's something that's already going to work for you, it's going to be easier for your brain to make that change, right? It's going to be hard for me if I have to go from shopping at my normal stores to searching at all these thrift stores I'm not used to going to. But yeah, if I'm already going to the farmer's market and I can pick those stalls where they have these programs, that's an easier habit change for my brain. Exactly. Exactly. I really like that. The other thing I want to know a little bit more about is, so you go to university, you realize that 
this isn't quite the route that you want to take. I think a lot of us go through that struggle after university, right? We go in, we have this idea of I'm going to get this degree and here's what I'm going to do. And it doesn't quite work out. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what that was like for you and how, because I'm sure there was some uncertainty there for a while of kind of what am I going to do with my life? Right. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Definitely. So the first was, I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. It's going to be so great. And then I was like, what kind of law am I going to do? And I was like, oh, maybe environmental law. And then I learned that environmental law, there's sort of like big, two big sides to it. So one was you're working for large companies like oil companies and trying to defend them and get them out of these environmental laws, or it was working for the government who were trying to create these laws. And so I was like, Neither of those really appealed to me, um, especially working in government. Things are a little bit slower, well, very slow to sort of progress and change. And I didn't necessarily want to work for an oil company because they're a huge contributing factor. So it was just, yeah, it was just trying to navigate. I enjoyed all my classes, so I just kind of stuck with it. And then it was, yeah, after I graduated, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I feel like, especially in North America, we're just getting, we get pushed through like schooling and it's just like, go to university, go do this, go do that. But then nobody tells you what happens afterwards other than just go get a job. And I don't even know what that means. (laughs) It's so confusing. And I think for me, yeah, I took some time and I traveled abroad and was just trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do and just figuring out like, what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? Um, whether it is in school or not. And so that sort of helped me figure out, okay, like maybe it's event stuff that I want to do, especially with that wedding. It kind of like was the catalyst to everything else. That's so interesting. And I know you mentioned that you really had to pivot 18 months ago with COVID. Can you talk about kind of how you did that? Kind of what got you through? Because a lot of folks weren't able to make that shift, right? I'm really interested in, you know, small business owners like yourself who had, who were able to successfully do that because a lot of companies didn't and they failed. Yeah. So for me, um, it was looking for other sources of income. So not just in my business. So it was getting a part-time job. Um, so for the first little bit of the pandemic, I was still working full-time. And um, so that helped me through financially for sure. And then once that contract ended, it was trying to figure out, okay, what other areas can I get income from that are not just my business, especially because I was only focused on events. And then it was a couple of people asking me, like, can you help me do the same thing for my business? Like, how do I do this? And that's when it sort of like had that light bulb moment and um, sort of created services around that. And even then it was like, there's a ton of learning, like a lot of small businesses don't necessarily have the financial means um, to dedicate to sustainability, which just isn't a priority for them, um, which I always question like, well, if there's no planet, you can't have your business. Yes. So it should be a priority, but I kind of get it. Like you, maybe you want to hire an accountant over me kind of thing. So I totally understand that. Um, but yeah, so it was also even learning within that, within that pivot, like, okay, so it's not small businesses that I'm trying to target. It's maybe larger, medium to larger companies as well. Right, right. Who have that capability. I was thinking about that too. And especially as a small business owner, there's there's so many things that we're doing, yes. right? And so sometimes it feels like this extra thing that we know is important and we value, but it's, you know, how do we add that in? Or, or I was thinking too about, you know, the the employee who works for a larger business and maybe they don't have a lot of say in those policies. Do you have anything that you'd recommend for someone like that who you know wants to make those small changes, but they don't really have that big impact in their business? Kind of what can we as individuals, I guess, start doing? 
So start with yourself, figure out what works for you and then look at your team. So maybe it's like the 10 individuals in your little, in your department or like your core team that you work with um, and figuring out ways that you can make impact there. I know a lot of larger corporations will have like green teams or they'll have workshops, um, like professional development courses and stuff like that. And requesting or like nudging them and saying like, Hey, I would love to learn more about this and create more of the culture in within their um, large corporations. And I think seeing a lot of them now, they are shifting in that direction, at least operationally. I just find that there's a gap between the people who work there and what they're doing in their operations. So just because now in their supply chain, they're being more green and being more conscious and more purposeful, um, their employees are still going to their nearest Starbucks and getting a coffee and bringing it to the office. So it, there's a kind of a bit of a disconnect there. And so I love with that, it's like the education piece of bridging that gap together between the individuals and the corporations, but then also the individuals who want to affect change. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point because if those values aren't trickling down to the individual person, how much of an impact is it really making? So do you do a lot of education as part of your work then? Yeah. So I am. I started offering workshops for those larger corporations, um, for people who have green teams or it's just maybe through their HR department, um, just to sort of talk about what is greenwashing, what is what is food waste, what is recycling, and kind of breaking that down even further to say like, okay, these are some actionable steps you can take together as a team or as an individual that ultimately supports that larger goal of the corporation. I really like that. I really like that focus on education and changing our values because I know you mentioned this already, but I feel like sometimes the message that we get about being eco-friendly is like, buy this thing, right? And it feels, I don't know, not really motivating. It's like, this is the product that you need to buy. And it feels like we always have to put more in, but I really like your values of focusing on, you know, reducing and reusing and what are those small changes that we can make? So we don't have to just buy into the next thing, right? Because there's so many fads, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, I can imagine. Yeah, it's definitely very difficult. And like, admittedly, you can't be perfect at it. I'm not perfect at it. I still buy coffee from time to time, especially in the last 16 months or 18 months where I couldn't bring my own reusable cup. So um, don't feel guilty. That's also another key message is don't feel guilty. It's okay to not be perfect at it. Yeah, I like that as well. Because I must say I have felt guilty in the past year and a half about how much waste I am having, even just with the masks that we're throwing out here all the time. And, you know, I use reusable ones as much as I can, but sometimes it doesn't work in my business. I work in healthcare. And so we we can't really do that. Right. And so it's, that's something I've been talking about a lot is like how many of these darn masks I have laying around everywhere. And you're right. There was so long where we couldn't bring our own cups and still a lot of places we can't. Right. So I have my reusable travel mug, but they're still giving me a cup and I have to like pour it in to my one. And it's, it can be a bit disheartening. I guess. Yes, yes. I will say that I did recently go into a Starbucks and I was able to use my own reusable nice, cups. So that nice. has changed, at least in Canada. The other thing I'd love to get your perspective on is something that you mentioned is how slow change at the government level is and how maybe that's not the place for us to be focused. Because I've been thinking about this a lot recently. For those who aren't in Canada, we're heading towards a federal election right now. And climate change is one of the big topics that everyone is, all the major parties are are talking about. And I know for me, sometimes when I watch politics, I feel like change is so 
slow. And maybe then that's not where change necessarily needs to be driven by. And maybe businesses, like you mentioned, can take more of a lead in teaching our staff and teaching our communities about this. What are your thoughts there? My thoughts is everybody has a stake in it, right? Like we all live on the same planet. Um, I don't think it's an even split. I think there are things we can do as individuals. There's things that we can do as smaller businesses, large corporations, and the government. Like they all contribute to it. Um, It just somebody has to sort of like push that boundary. Something that I I love to point out is, for example, the whole veganism movement that has grown exponentially um, in the last like few years, like I remember there were no vegan options in a lot of like restaurant menus. And then all of a sudden everybody has all these vegan options or vegetarian options. And so it's like really emphasizes how as individuals, you do have influence and impact on what larger corporations and businesses do and then vice versa. Um, Cause like, I know so many people who still eat meat and love beyond meat. And it's so it's it's kind of like this weird like cycle. And then how the government sort of plays into that is actually setting sort of those regulations and those laws to then further push organizations and individuals to sort of lean into that. So we all definitely play a part. And it's just, yeah, unfortunately, the government's very slow. And I feel like as individuals and businesses, we do have that impact and not to be discouraged by that. And just think of the vegetarian and veganism movement because it has grown so much, especially in North America. Yeah, that is a really good point. We were talking about this the other day too, about, you know, even 10 years ago, right? How few vegan or vegetarian options there were and how hard it was. And they weren't good, right? No, so people didn't exactly. so people didn't want to eat it, right? It's like, well, I want to be more plant-based and reduce, you know, my meat consumption, but it's like, this all tastes disgusting. So no, right? And so you're right. That's the way as a as a consumer, as an individual, if we're, you know, pushing for more of those options and more of that change, businesses will will follow even, you know, the reduction in plastic straws, right? I'm sure that was consumer driven and people were asking for that. And now it's normal, right? To not have straws or to have paper straws, the small changes. Yes. And that's an interesting point that you brought up because Trudeau did say, um, our prime minister here in Canada, that he wanted to ban single use plastic by the end of 2021. Um, Ever since that announcement, I haven't really heard much since. Um, And also the other like issue that I have with it is that it's the shift in mindset that we all need to have in like reusing and finding those um, alternatives rather than just replacing it with another single use alternative. So you'll see a lot of like the brown packaging that's like cardboard or bamboo or palm leaf or whatever it is that's like supposedly compostable for takeout containers, which is a great sort of like first half. So where that product is made from and where it goes is great. But then at the end of its life, a lot of infrastructure, especially like our green bins, organic spins, we can't actually throw it in there. Like I know for the city of Toronto, they don't accept any of those compostable materials into their organic spins. So it still ends up in the landfill. So that's sort of my problem with it is like, yes, we're banning the single use plastic and we're not going to be using plastic, but then the alternative always becomes this like still single use, which we need to sort of move away from. Right. Yeah. So we're just switching from one product to To another, another that's still going to end up in the dump, right? And it's just creating more waste. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that 
as well. And then you feel like you're doing the right thing, right? By choosing these alternatives, but really how much of an impact is it making? And maybe there's another small choice that you can make instead with finding something that's reusable instead, or that you can repurpose in this way might actually make more of an impact. Yeah. So something that I've done before is like asking the cafe, the coffee shop, the place that I'm going to is, can I just put it in my own container, Mm -hmm. like bring your own or carry your own? And they always give me a weird look, but then they're like, okay, sure. Like, why not? And so this is obviously pre-pandemic. It's a little bit changed now, but um, yeah, it's, there's no harm in asking and bringing your own containers and asking because the worst they'll say is no. And then you just take it in whatever container they've given it to you. But then if they say yes, that's one less container that you're tossing out. Yeah. I really like that. I You have totally changed my perspective on being environmentally <laughs> friendly. I, I've got to say, I have always been focusing on recycling. And I feel like when our blue bin is full, I'm like, I'm doing such a good job here, right? But And I know I'd heard that before that unfortunately, just our recycling isn't to the capacity to actually manage all of this and that so much actually isn't recycled. And thinking about you know reducing and reusing as the primary ways of you know, really saving our planet is a great way to think. Yeah, just taking it back to basics, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, so this is a new question that I'm asking everyone. If I was your best friend, what book would you recommend I read, fiction or nonfiction? There are so many. Um, <laughs> there is this one called, hold on, I'm actually just going to pull it out. Yeah. Forget the name. It's called The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Just because we all gather, we all virtually now in person, but then also we plan our own parties, we go to weddings, and it just talks about just bringing more intention to it rather than just kind of going through the waves and motions of it. So highly recommend it, especially if you are in events as an event planner, definitely recommend it, but uh, just to everybody. (laughs) Great. Thank you. I'll put that on my list. I'm writing it down now. I'm always looking for new books to add to my list. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Romina. Like I said, you have changed my perspective on maybe some small shifts that I need to be making. And I really loved, I know I said this already, just that emphasis you have on really taking those small steps. And those small steps do add up over time, whether it's changes in our habits to improve our own health, or we're focusing on the health of the planet. And sometimes for example, like the move towards veganism and vegetarianism, it helps both, right? It's both. You're yes, saving exactly. money, you're saving the planet, and it's better for your body. So even if you need to, if we need to think about things another way of, you know, maybe it's a bit more more work to reuse or repurpose something, but I'm going to save money and I'm going to save the planet. So is that worth it in my values? I think that's a great way to think about things. Yeah, it's always about repurposing. I know a lot of us have wanted to support it, support our local like restaurants and stuff. So definitely we've all ordered a ton of takeout and I just reuse those containers. So yesterday I took a container to bulk barn and filled it up with snacks, <laughs> used it in that way. So yeah, just be creative with it. I love that. Thank you so much. So folks want to work with you or they want to learn more about you, where can they go? Yeah, they can head to my website, ecofriendlyevents.ca or find me on um, Instagram or LinkedIn at ecofriendly.events. Perfect. I'll put those links in the show notes for everyone as well so they can find you more easily. Well, thank you again for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. That's a wrap. I'm Dr. Nicole Byers and you're listening to the Bold Life Podcast. Thank you.